getting ready to go into the weekend. Welcome to Hand of Pod. No, we only did extras last week. We only did extras last week, that's right, thank you. Of course, I remembered the recording session. <laughs> we recorded 300 pod extras last week, so welcome to episode 465 of Hand of Pod. I just had to check. The reason I was very confused is that I was just checking our blog on WordPress to see what number this one was, because I didn't send an email around this week, um, and saw that it was 464, but it was two weeks ago, and I was like, no, but we recorded this, this time last week. We recorded <laughs> last Friday night. What's going on? Um, anyway, it's Friday night again. We're recording a little bit later than we normally would um, this week, but we are back, and as you've already heard, I'm joined by Dan. Hello. Welcome, Dan. Um, we are back because we're going to be discussing the closing stage. Sorry, we're, we're back on a Friday evening because we're going to be discussing the closing stages of the um, group stages of the Copa Libertadores and the Copa Sudamericana, both of which ended on Thursday evening. So, although I think we already knew that Boca had won the group, didn't we? Not even that they qualified. No, they so, qualified, but they still there was, needed... They were going to win the group. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, uh, although there was very little riding on Boca's game on Thursday night um, in the Libertadores, I thought, it just for completeness sake, we might as well record after it. Yeah. Um, but we are also joined by the wonders of technology and, and uh-huh. recording and uh, solid-state storage by a couple of other people, because what you're about to hear is the first ever, I think, interview um, of an actual footballer on Hand of Pod, because we found ourselves an Argentine footballer who speaks English. And indeed, indeed from what she said to us, to me and Tony, uh, this time yesterday, doesn't speak very much Spanish. Um, Absolutely Sof- fine for Hand of Pod. Sofia no Brown um, joined me and Tony yesterday. Um, I Full disclosure... I have not heard this yet because Tony's had a very busy day and only managed to send it to me an hour or so ago while I was out. Uh, so I don't know what the sound quality is like. It was recorded over uh, Google Meet, but hopefully it's going to sound all right. And I'm going to just splice that in here and then we will get on with the meat and potatoes of the episode. But, uh, well, for now, the me of the past and Tony yesterday... Take it away. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Thank you for talking to us, first of all. Um, 
I'm going to start and then obviously we'll pass over to Tony because as I'm sure you've guessed, Tony is more in the know about women's football in Argentina uh, than than I am. I'd, I'd like to try to keep up with some of it to an extent, um, but most of the focus for us is, is on, on the men's game, obviously. Um, but the first thing that I wanted to ask was just can you tell us a bit about yourself? Because as our listeners are about to discover, if they don't already know, uh, you speak English and you sound like a native speaker. Um, and Tommy tells me that you didn't grow up here in Argentina, right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me, first of all. But yes, I'm Sophia Braun or Sophie. And I grew up in the United States. I lived there my whole life. I'm from Beaverton, Oregon. And my dad's American, but my mom was born and raised in Argentina. So she moved to the States when she was about 23 to study English. Met my dad, ended up staying there. So I've been in the States with my family for my whole life. But obviously, I, I have some family in Argentina. And I'm super grateful to be able to come and visit and play for them, obviously. And how do you, just listening to that, I'm, I'm wondering about sort of the, the connection with the team. Now, I, obviously, I get that you're a player representing the national team and you're kind of duty bound to say, oh, yeah, I feel 100% Argentine. But I have cousins who, um, one of, one of my mum's sisters moved to Barcelona when she was like 19 or 20 or something. And, and so mm -hmm. she, she never came back. So I've got two cousins who are I mean, really, they're half Catalan and half English. But if you asked them, I think both of them would say, yeah, you know, I feel a little bit English. One of them speaks English with his kids. But really, they're both Catalan. Um, like, how much of a, a relationship do you have with the, with the Argentine side of you? Yeah, I think growing up, I didn't have as much of a relationship as maybe I would have hoped and wanted, just because it is so far and obviously most of my family that I was around and interacting with in the States was my dad's side of the family, which was fully American. So I think I, I didn't really have a lot of access to that side of me on my mom's side of my family. But I mean, my grandparents still live here. I have aunts and uncles and cousins. And I got to, we got to visit with my family a couple of times and my grandparents got to come up to the States to see us, which was really nice. But I'm definitely really grateful for the opportunities I've had with soccer to come down here because I think it really has opened up kind of this side of who I am. And obviously it's a big part of me. I mean, my mom makes up half of me. So it's really special to kind of get to connect more with her culture and kind of see where she came from, where my ancestors came from, and just a lot of who I am. And what's your... Um... Do you, do you have any kind of a relationship with the, the the women's game here, obviously, apart from playing for the national team, but like at club level, have you have you played here in Argentina? I'm, uh, Tony knows this already. He's probably no, no. no, you're good. <laughs> no, you're good. So I have always played just in the U.S., just growing up in different academies and club teams and all that. It's definitely a different system in the U.S. than it is here. Um, but I think a lot of my love for soccer has come from my mom's side of my family, which has been really special. And I think that's a big reason why I do feel so connected and so excited to be playing for Argentina is because I know how much of a fan my grandparents are of soccer and they've always been River Plate fans. So kind of being able to experience that and live through them a little bit has been really fun. And obviously the soccer community here in Argentina is 
incredible and just so special to be a part of and to see. So I think I'm really lucky. And every time I think about how much I love soccer, like I, I do feel like a lot of that comes from my mom's side of the family. What are, what are the things your mom has uh, taught you about the Argentine culture? And what was the most difficult thing to maybe adapt or get used to? Uh, I have experience with some Americans <laughs> that have a hard time with uh, mate when it's bitter yeah. and not sweet. So that's on the top of the table right now. <laughs> yeah, I think, well, for me, obviously the language is the hardest just because I'm not very great at Spanish. Um, I've definitely got a lot better, so I, I'm able to understand a lot, but communicating is definitely what's hardest for me. But I think it's it's been really fun to kind of been able to pick up a little bit more on the different Argentine culture things like mate. I've definitely been drinking it a lot more and I actually really like it. <laughs> like I, <laughs> I know I know a lot of people don't, but I I really like it. And I think the girls get excited when I want to drink with them and hang out with them. So I've been trying to do it as much as I can. But it's it's definitely been a lot better and something that I'm getting more used to, which is nice. I have two questions relating to okay. that, your, your adaptation to, to the national team, actually. The first yeah. one is, obviously, the language is going to be not a barrier when you're playing, I think, because as anyone that has played with maybe, I don't know, a cherries or anything like that, you can communicate with signs or something yeah. that come across like obvious, like what you're trying to say. Uh, but, it, but when it comes to training, when it comes to, uh, I don't know, a video session that you're doing mm -hmm. with the coaching staff, is they, they do try to make it more easier for you or you're still trying to uh, find someone else to help you? Is that something that you try to overcome yet? Yeah, yeah. I think when I first started, it was definitely a lot a lot worse <laughs> just because I was terrible. I, I don't think I knew anything. <laughs> like I probably knew Ola and that's it. Like I was, I was horrible, but it's definitely gotten a lot better. So I feel like training definitely is the easiest for me and soccer is the easiest. Like you talked about, it's just such a universal game that I don't necessarily need to be able to talk to them in the same language because soccer is like its own language almost, which is definitely something that's really cool. But yeah, there were a lot of like video sessions and just like, honestly, the hardest part is like sitting at the dinner table and trying to participate in conversation there because that's when I'm like most lost because there's words I've never heard before. But I'm really lucky. There's a couple girls on the team that do speak English and they've been so helpful. Um, Lauchi, she's been my roommate like since I've been here and I'm so grateful for her. She, her English is perfect and she definitely helps me a lot. And then Nico on the coaching staff, he speaks English. So anytime I have a question or if I don't understand like a, a talk or something like that or something at training, like he's super helpful. But honestly, I, I kind of just try to sit back and like watch everyone else go before me. And, and then I'm, I'm able to pick it up from there. But yeah, I'm lucky. I have a lot of people around me who have been super helpful, and I'm getting yeah. better. I promise. I'm I'm gonna learn <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> I'm gonna test you later, and I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say to Nico that you've been talking about him. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> uh, but what I wanted to ask uh, is something that you kind of answer right now. Like, which mm -hmm. part of the team or like 
the two maybe cores of the squad because you have like the old guard like Bani Correa or Lauchi, uh, mm-hmm. Aldana, or the younger part of the squad that was more helpful in especially on the lang- language part, but probably you're also relating to the younger uh, players because of your age. But yeah. how was the relationship in terms of the, the two parts of the group, if you want to call it like that? Yeah, I think it's been awesome. I mean, they're definitely like a really close group and I think they do a great job of kind of intermingling, I think, like between the two groups. So it's not really like the older girls hang out with the older girls and the young girls yep. hang out with the young girls, which is really nice. Um, and I mean, they're all really welcoming of me, which I'm very grateful for. And they all try to help me. There's Lauchi, obviously, she's a little older and she's been super awesome and super helpful for me. And there's a few young girls that speak Spanish, like, or speak English, sorry, <laughs> like Kiara. She goes to school in the US. So she's been awesome too. She, I talk to her a lot. But yeah, everybody's been super great and they try to help me or talk Spanglish or just a few words <laughs> that they can, which has been super fun. Do you want to pick up that? I was wondering about going a little bit more football-y. Now, we, mm-hmm. we uh, me and our colleague Dan and Tony um, were talking on last week's episode about the group um, mm-hmm. that you've been drawn in for the tournament. Yeah. And obviously, we kind of discussed this in a very sort of, not entirely detached, because Tony is Argentine, as, as you know, and, and me and Dan have been living here for a long time and both support the national teams um ourselves but you know we're able to kind of look at it from a slightly more journalistic or from a slightly more fans perspective and say you know well you know realistically what are the chances blah blah blah. and i guess what i was was wondering was within the group like what what's the aim that's being set because as we mentioned last week right uh, winning a match would be historic for argentine women's football um at the world cup uh is there you know, a set number of points that you're aiming to get to is—is is it? Yeah, let's go and try and win all three games and finish top of the group, and then win the World Cup, or—or or is there like it, somewhere in between? Yeah, I mean, winning the whole World Cup would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> that's, that that's a good start. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, obviously, yeah, winning a game would be history, and that's something we definitely want to do. But I—I I don't think we want to stop there. We definitely have our mindset, a clear goal of getting to that knockout stage, which would be awesome and something we're really working towards. Um, and I think, I mean, we definitely have a chance. I, we have a great team and every team in our group is difficult. Um, every team in the World Cup is difficult. But I mean, I, I do think we have a real opportunity and we've been working really hard to try to get there. So I'm just excited to kind of be able to show everyone what we're doing and what we're capable of. And you start off against Italy. Italy? Yeah. Yeah. It's the last match, isn't it? It's within the last match. Yeah. Yep. So do, do you have kind of, you don't necessarily have to tell us who it is. I'm just, I'm kind of wondering what the dynamic is in terms of what the coaches are telling you and whether there is one match that you're particularly like targeting as, as, as being, um, I was kind of, in my simple non-sporting brain, I'm going to say the easy, <laughs> but obviously none of them are easy. Yeah, no, no. Um, I mean, I think the cool thing about the World Cup is that it's three 
quick games that are all three so so important like we we literally have to focus on the next match like you you can never we have italy first so all eyes are on italy and preparing exactly what we need to beat italy um so that's kind of where our mindset is at which i think is a good mindset to have i mean obviously it's a big game and it's everything we're focusing on right now and when that game's over south africa will be the big the biggest game so it's for us it's just the next game is the biggest and i mean there's only three and they're all really really important to make it to that next round mm -hmm. well hopefully it will be more than three hopefully. yeah yeah three in the group stage <laughs> coming, coming into that yeah i think you guys you did realize that if you if argentina goes in the second place and the united states goes in the first place in the group they're going to cross path yeah <laughs> what are your thoughts on that possibility like playing against basically um the country of a youth where you yeah. were born and the one that you're representing i know it's far-fetched to think about it but what was no. the thing that, when, when you when you when you try to put in your head with the possible results and you said oh that could happen what yeah. what came across in your head oh my gosh honestly i was like so excited i would love that so much <laughs> uh i mean just to be able to play the us and i mean i we can beat them i know we can beat them <laughs> like, they're a great team but i mean I, it would be super exciting and it would be really cool for me because it's like both my identities kind of coming together on the soccer field which is indescribable and something that i would definitely love and i'm i'm grateful to be on the argentina side <laughs> and i would love the chance to play them so we'll see maybe <laughs> that will be more than historic i think in, yeah in my opinion. <laughs> um, i want to take you a little bit out of the um argentina national team and ask you about your semester at leon and mm -hmm. how was like that change for you like playing in another country and playing in a different league with a different perspective and also a change for you in terms of trying to be a centre-back basically or, or trying to yeah. new position <laughs> that you, it's also what, the position that you were playing the most in the national team I, mm -hmm. I know that you play sometimes as an eight like the game against Venezuela in Cordoba yeah. but um what was that or that whole adaptation to another country and keep trying to to improve your Spanish and another position how was that tournament for you yeah yeah i think it was a great opportunity and kind of the perfect place for me to land um in preparation for this summer um i think obviously the language has been helpful <laughs> in getting me a little more comfortable down here but i played obviously at my school i was a midfielder my whole life and really the only experience i had at center back was with the national team and it was it was pretty difficult to go from like midfield 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 and then like a couple weeks every couple months all of a sudden be like thrown back into a center back role so i think having the opportunity to get a lot of games under my belt in mexico in a good league against good competition was really really important for me now and i definitely feel a lot more comfortable back there and a little more experienced so i think it was the perfect place for me to end up and um just to get ready for this summer and be the best i can for the team so i'm really happy and i liked it a lot and i'm i'm excited to go back and to see how we can improve and do well in the league i think 
I think we can have a better run this tournament down in Mexico. So I'm, I'm excited for that, but yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, and going back to, to the World Cup, um, one thing that everybody that's going to go, including me, it's the time difference. Is there any kind of preparation already of trying to be ready for that or? <laughs> yeah, it's it, weird. <laughs> to it's own, like whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I think it was it was really nice that we got to go in, I think it was March, down yeah. to New Zealand and play a couple friendlies. So I think that was kind of good just to get a, a sense of what it was going to be like. And I mean, it's it's not that bad once once you're a day in or two days in, you, you forget all about it. So <laughs> I, will, I will hold you to that if I feel yeah. sleepy. I will, I will hold you yeah. to that. <laughs> yeah, you um, let me know if, <laughs> if I it, led you astray. Some of your family going? um to New Zealand? yeah so i think my mom and a bunch of family friends and yeah i have i have a lot of family and friends that are planning on going down um and hopefully i'll be there we don't know for sure yet but, <laughs> but i'm excited and i'm super thankful to have all them come which will be great because it's really far it's really really far but they're excited Tom, do you have any questions? Uh, nothing I can think of. I think uh, we are blank now on questions. So. <laughs> no worries. Um, now, I, I, in fact, I will ask you two things. The first mm -hmm. is how was for you of being part of what right now and probably it's going to be overcome or, or surpass the highest uh, attended game in the history of the Argentinian national team who was in Cordoba. Uh, how was that for you? How was that experience? Because obviously some some games in Mexico are well attended, but mm -hmm. not all the games. And obviously when you're playing in the college in college, you're not have like, a lot of people going <laughs> to, the, to the games. Um, and how 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 was that? How much impacted on, on the squad? Probably yeah. it's going to be like that high energy thing that you you need to to go into the workout but how was the feeling after the game knowing yeah. that yeah it was it was awesome and incredible to be a part of just to see so many people that are investing in us and supporting us and caring about us and women's soccer definitely means a lot um i think everyone was so excited and so thankful for all the support we got and it's just really special to see like how much it's grown and just to be a part of that growth. Um, I know I, I wasn't necessarily playing here when they weren't getting a lot of fans in stadiums, but I, I know what those girls went through and to see it, to see a stadium filled like that was so special and something I'm grateful for and definitely helped the team. I mean, to have all those people cheering for you, it, it definitely lights you up, <laughs> which is fun and helps the team a lot. And the, the other thing that I, I wanted to ask you is, um, what are you, your career plans? Because the last time we, we talked about, uh, you were still in Gonzaga and yeah. there were talks about, you know, maybe, you playing and still in the US or something like that. What where would you yeah. like to go? What would you feel connected to to come back maybe to the US or do you think uh in the future you will try something different, maybe come to Argentina? What what would you like to do even if you know like it's not something that you're considering right now? But <laughs> yeah. if you're daydreaming, what will you say to, to, <laughs> to, to do? 
That's a hard question. I think, I mean, I, I'm super thankful to be able to play soccer and to have soccer take me to so many awesome different countries has been super fun and something I'm grateful for. Um, I think it would be really fun to play in Europe. Um, it would be really cool to play somewhere like Australia, back in the US. I mean, I would love to play in like my hometown. That would be awesome. Um, and somewhere in Argentina would be really special too and something that I would definitely cherish. So we'll see. I don't know yet, <laughs> but I'm excited to see where soccer takes me for sure. Well, thanks so far. Now I do don't have any other questions. So. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, oh, thank you for having me. that you enjoyed that and in fact I hope that it sounded more or less okay because as I say still now haven't heard the, the sound um, I didn't just play it to damn we, we've just sat here chatting for a couple of minutes and now we're recording again um, on the subject of women's football as we mentioned last week um, when Tony was on the main podcast with us the final round of the women's first division uh, was played last weekend and we explained things and uh, Rosario Central unfortunately fell at their hurdle. They lost 1-0 to Racing, so not unfortunate for Dan, but unfortunately for the, the title narrative. Well, Boca and um, Y Urquiza both won their matches. Y Urquiza rather less comfortably than predicted. 1-0 away to Satsaid and Boca in a dramatic match um, or, well, a dramatic scoreline. They won 3-2, but they were 3-0 up at half-time and then conceded a couple in the second half, so perhaps not all that dramatic. The result being that both Boca and Wajorquiza finished on 48 points and there is, therefore, a title playoff. Which apparently has disappeared. Uh, it should be on TV Pública. It was on Deportivo just now. Hmm. Um, That's right. Has it come um, back? Oh, there we go. Well, there's a title playoff which, when Deportivi are allowing us to, we yeah. are currently watching because it is going on right now. I think an intern hit the wrong button and sent them to a, an advert break hmm. in the middle of the game, but nothing changed in the meantime. No, uh, we are currently, does that say 18? 18 minutes into the second 18 half. 18 minutes into the second half, so that's the 63rd, 64th minute is where, hmm. yes. Um, and it's currently Boca 1-Y-0. Uh, and it's being played in Independiente's stadium. We will keep you up to date with what happens there. More specifically, Dan will keep us up to date because I'm kind of not really able to look at the television while also facing the microphone because of yes. the way we've got this set up. Um, Set a funny end. But obviously, we'll, we'll tell you who wins the Women's Championship a little bit later on. Um, moving to the Liga Profesional, the previous round of matches had, as Dan reminded me before we started recording, already begun before we recorded a bunch of Hand the Pod Extras last week. Um, 
it began a full nine days ago, in fact, in the middle of last week. And the matches ended as follows. Estudiantes 1, San Lorenzo 1, Central Cordoba 0, Gimnasia 0, Tigre 2, Beles 1, Racing 1, Barracas 1, River 3, Instituto 1, Godoy Cruz 4, Boca Juniors 0, Huracan 1, Newells 1, Argentinos 3, Defensa Justicia 1, Union 3, Independiente 0, Lanús 2, Tacheres 1, Arsenal 0, Platense 2, Rosario Central 1, Colón 1, Sarmiento 4, Atlético Tucumán 1, and Belgrano 3, Banfield 1. For mm. red card fanatics, there were 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 red cards Ooh, um, in last weekend's matches. And the start of round 22 of the men's league has started as well already. Uh, Platense versus Lanús is currently 0-0 after 70 minutes. Um, so, the main talking point from this, I guess, I mean, beyond the title race, which we'll get to in a second, is probably Godoy Cruz's 4-0 tonking mm. of Boca Juniors. Well, I think we could say... Weren't you know, entirely concentrating on... No, very possibly. Plus, um, you know, everyone knows that Garfield hates Mondays. Boca... I hate Thursdays. I think their previous Thursday league match was a 1-0 defeat at the hands of mighty Arsenal. Was this back last Thursday? Yeah. Was that a full week this was back that? last Thursday. River, Racing and Boca all played the, mm. the same evening. Um, yeah, so not very good from, from Boca. Uh, I didn't see the match, I must admit. I haven't seen it. Played it back. Uh, I can't tell you whether the 4-0 was flattering to Guadalajara Cruz otherwise I mean Boca had lots of possession didn't really have any shots and Guadalajara Cruz just seemed to slot everything they they fired at Sergio Romero mm. um, I did see a couple of the goals which were hilarious I can't remember why but I remember they were very very funny um, yeah I think just the game Boca are going to want to put behind them uh, as soon as possible Indeed, and in fact they did, because as we will mention later, uh, but we've already kind of hinted at it, mm. um, they played at home to Monagas in the Libertadores uh, last night and got the result that they needed. We'll go into more detail later on. Um, the title race then, obviously, well just to remind you all, because it's not that obvious unless you pay attention to this stuff all the time, River are top of the Liga Profesional and have opened up quite a gap. There were quite a few teams who dropped points by drawing matches last weekend, but Tacheres, in second place, dropped points by losing. 2-1 to Lanús. Uh, they were 1-0 up at the break. In fact, they were 1-0 up after two minutes um, through Diego Maloyes. Oh, no, Maloyes, he's Colombian, isn't he? Yes. Yes, so Maloyes. Apologies to him for mispronouncing his name. Sort of um, goes without saying, to be honest, because all of Tacheres' goals in the last three years have been scored by Iba Valoyes or Michael Santos. Yes. Um, and I think Santos got, yeah, Santos got the assist mm. on, on that one. Uh, but Lanús came back to score twice, quite close together, around the middle of the second half to claim the win. Um, and that meant that Tacheres failed to even cling on to River's coattails because this was after River had beaten Instituto 3-1 with goals from also coming from behind. Um, they conceded in the first minute from Santiago Rodriguez, but uh, Nicolás de la Cruz made it 1-1 before half-time. And Nacho Fernández and Lucas Beltrán uh, wrapped up the victory. For Beltrán's goal, I believe, 
coming via an assist from one Claudio Echeverri. Indeed, yes. On his river debut at 17. Yeah, um, the Argentina under 17, 17 um, star of the Copa Sudamericana, uh, the, not the Copa Sudamericana, the Sudamericano Sub-17, um, who we discussed in an extra that very conveniently, not deliberately of course, it's due to my tardiness mm. in getting it edited, but just went online a couple of nights ago. Um, just after he made his river debut. So it's been a long, long awaited to the point that the television commentator, when he came on, actually said, We are in the, this is a historic moment <laughs> in Argentine football history. And you're like, a 17 year old is playing a match of football. Okay. Um, but yeah, we will have to wait and see whether he lives up to all that time. I mean, he seems to have everything in the right place. Uh, it's very hard to tell at 17, but if you're breaking into this. River team, uh, 17, uh, you got something. Mm. You definitely got something. Indeed, yeah. Um, San Lorenzo. Ha, just as I said their name, uh, it would appear that Lanús have just scored a goal because the league table just updated itself live in San Lorenzo. I was about to say a third, and they've just dropped to fourth, mm. uh, as I said that. So I presume Lanús have scored a goal. Um, but San Lorenzo, obviously in the title race uh, last weekend or last week did a they did a draw away to Estudiantes <laughs> so they dropped points in La Plata could have been worse for them Benjamin Rolheiser saw a penalty saved um, in the 10th minute of stoppage time That's, yeah. after it had been awarded uh, via VAR in the 5th minute of stoppage time um, I actually had completely forgotten that I saw the closing moments of this match <laughs> I didn't see the rest of the match, which um, obviously was, was 1-1, but I switched it on towards the end, right. uh, just in time to see the replays of the foul. can't remember whether it was a clear penalty or not, I can't remember what happened, but I saw the replays, th- saw the referee awarding the penalty, and then saw San Lorenzo's players all just kicking the fuck off. <laughs> um, and yeah, just the, the delay, building up to the tension... And then Rolheiser taking it and it being actually a fairly simple save for um, Agusto Batasha, um, which was hilarious. Just after all of the tension and the build-up and the, the here we go, yeah. just a pretty disappointing penalty and out. And the drama was magnificent. Um, so yeah, it could have been worse for San Lorenzo, but it also could have been quite a lot better. Um, we even call it a title race now? It feels a lot more like a title sort era, title, so, title stroll. Yeah, it's a second place race. And in fact, yeah. of course, Lanús beating Tacheres and then now, as it just stands, leapfrogging San Lorenzo into third with this goal, if they can hang on to a win over Platense for another 14 minutes. Um, puts them up there. They're level on points with Tacheres on 40 points, but River have 50 points. So... Yes. They're not losing a 10-point. six matches to go, um, having conceded 13 goals all season and having lost three games so far in the league. Um, it doesn't look very likely that it's going to slip through River's hands. No. They could potentially have it sewn up by about next Wednesday, right? With the weekend and midweek so games. There are currently six matches would be 18 points yeah 10 ahead with 18 in play so if they, they were to 16. we've got Barracas Central tomorrow afternoon mm-hmm. if they win that um, and Tacheres 
were to lose to Godoy Cruz, who of course are coming off a good result. Mm-hmm. Stranger things have happened, although it would be quite a strange thing to happen. Um, then they would go 13 clear, with, with 15th, 15th to play for. Play. So it could, as we speak at the moment, mathematically speaking, it's possible yeah. for River to win the league on the 5th of July. Which would mean by the time we next record, we'd have a champion. Yeah, probably right. would. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unlikely. Yeah. Because I will reiterate, I, I think Tasheris will probably get a win over Godoy Cruz. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be happening relatively soon. Yeah. Um, Does this mean we can start up the Gachardo fraud talk? You know, eight years to win a title. Dimitrelis comes in and does it in five months, six yeah. months. No, not even a full season. Not even a full season. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, another thing that we need to update you on that we discussed, I think, two weeks ago is the um, relegation situation. Yes. Because yes. when we last talked or about this, we were saying somebody, I can't remember, um, I, I remember hearing it, so I'm going to assume that it wasn't me who said it. Mm-hmm. I can't remember whether it was Andres or Dan or whether anybody else was here with us. I think it was just us three, wasn't it, two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, we mentioned that there was going to be a vote at the AFA on removing one of the relegation spots. Yes, in the middle of the season. If you're new to this podcast, welcome to RG Ball. Um, and that uh, Claudio Tapia, the president of the AFA, had been asked about this and said, no, it's, it's not going to happen. Don't worry, guys. It's just media talk. Uh, well, the vote was <laughs> held and that spot has been removed. So now there's going to be only two teams relegated to go with the two teams who are promoted, meaning that the league's not going to be getting any smaller next week. Next week? Well, it certainly won't be getting any smaller next week, anyway. Um, next season. Uh, one team will go down via the annual table, and one team now will go down via the points average, or the average points table. Um, if both of those teams are the same team, then the second lowest finisher in the average points... No, in the annual, annual. table goes down. Yes. Um, so that's bad news for Banfield, who are currently second bottom, because I think Arsenal are bottom of both the annual table they are. and the promedio. Or something. But also bad news for Villas, who are tied with Banfield. So if the season finished today, oh, that'd be a play. Would, it would be a playoff. Indeed, yeah. Um, even though Villas have got much, much, much better goal difference. I mean, yes, it doesn't matter. I, no, it's I, all about I, the spectacle. It just, I, I kind of sometimes... Not that goal difference is just by default the fairest <laughs> way of doing it, necessarily, but... It just feels a bit strange that you're going to... Venice have scored 20 and conceded 24, and Banfield have scored 14 and conceded 29. Mm. But you're going to go, yeah, we've got a... There's no way of separating you. Yeah. You've got, <laughs> there is, but, but we're not going to do that, even though we do it for all of the other positions in the table, if it's just a matter of sorting out positions. Um, anyway, do you have anything else to add, Dan, during the first half? Or do, you, do, do we think we've covered everything? Uh, I think the sort of headlines given the interview that we've had let me have a quick look see if anything jogs my memory I think I said to you before we started recording it was a very silly round of football which lasted about uh, five days six days and yeah from 21st to the 26th yeah (laughs) Um, another good result for Belgrano yeah. Keep doing it. Um, brilliant result for Union, who took Independiente to the cleaners and left them 
paradox, paradoxically enough, in less relegation trouble than before, because in the intervening period, one of the spots has been taken away, but still yes, yeah, yeah. not particularly um, comfortable. Um, I don't want to talk about Racing. I went to the game um, where they contrived to throw away a 1-0 lead against Barraca Central at home, playing at least 40 minutes uh, with an extra man after Nicolas Cabrado. Um, half an hour. No, 20 minutes. Um, was sent off for a double booking. Um, I will save my racing talk for the second half and the copper where things are actually interesting. Indeed. Before we go on the break, I just realised that I, I said uh, earlier on, I made reference to the conversation we had last week with the women's, uh, the, the last round of the women's league about mm-hmm. to kick off. That is going to be a hand to pot extra because we've talked about it with Tony. Yes. In last week's recording, not two weeks ago for the, the previous uh, round. So, um, yeah, if you're wondering, hang on, did I miss part of last weekend's <laughs> episode? And it, don't go back and listen to episode 464. Uh, you've not missed anything. If you're on the Pod Extra listener, then you will be hearing that at some point in the not-too-distant future. If not, sign up for Extra and wait for Sam to upload it. Indeed, yes. Um, but, yeah, don't, don't panic and, um, you know, go to, <laughs> to that. It's been a very Hand of Pod Extra mention heavy first half of an episode this so I may as yeah. well sign off the first half by saying that if you want to then you can go to patreon.com slash hand pod and pick your level and sign up uh, it's been a while since you've done an extra plug I think so yeah because chuck them in every now and then you know, uh, the, the, the normal Patreon thing has happened of loads and loads of sub- well comparatively <laughs> pretty much all the subscriptions you're going to get from Patreon apparently happen in like the first month yeah and then it just sort of plateaus um so, yeah, regardless of how much effort you put in. So I've taken the uh, path of least resistance by not putting any effort into plugging it. Fair uh, enough. But I am Fair trying enough. to put more effort into getting the episodes that we've got recorded and <laughs> uploaded, uh, especially as we go into another month now. Uh, but for now, anyway, thank you very much for listening to the first half of this podcast, and we'll be back in a few minutes for the second. slightly extended break uh, Dan's partner and son came home you might be able to hear Noel in the background uh, and we decided to watch the end of Wild Kisa versus Boca um, and report on the result now rather than letting it play out while we were recording given that there was other stuff going on as well especially um, the result was that Boca have won 1-0 and therefore are the champions in women's football of Argentina, so congratulations, Boca fans. Uh, if Tony were here, then I would ask how many championships that makes it that they've won. But it's at least two. Do a quick since, since the league went professional, it's at least two. Let me see if I can do a quick googly. Um, Boca Juniors Femenina. We just counted professional. Or we. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're doing was, amateur as I was well. saying it's at least two since the league went professional because they won in 2020. Twenty twenty. Here in this year, just now. Yeah. And I, I think they must have won at least one of them, right? Why Orkisa got one as well a year or two ago? Maybe. If we count all of them, yeah. They have something like twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. Nice. Oh, for fuck's sake, just tell me. Don't go for every single season individually. Give me a tally. So which of the um, the professional ones started from 2018-2019, correct? Uh, or 2017-2018? 19-20, wasn't it? I think. Professional? Yeah. In the women's game? No, in the women's game. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. I think it was 2019-2020. Oh, I mean... Uh, I don't mean I think it was 1920 I mean I think yeah I'm understood 1920 or you said 1920 that was slightly confusing yes it became professional in the 2019-2020 season which was suspended and then yes obviously yeah and then Boca won the Torneo de Transición they finished subcampeón second in the Apertura 2021 which was won by San Lorenzo won the Clausura of that same year won the super final uh, and won the 2022 championship yes. yes it's gone annual now right so that means that overall oh they've oh, oh wow well, they're the yeah. uh, most successful team by a very long way I thought why well, Kisa had won more titles than that no they have 27 now yeah. with this one yeah Wikipedia is out of date oh the English language Wikipedia on, of the women's professional yeah. uh, league is out of date. The Spanish one too, but only this one. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. This yeah. one's only out of date by um, oh, this, right. this championship that just finished five minutes ago as well. Uh, River in second with 11. Guisa have five. And San Lorenzo have three. Yeah, because Guisa have been very, very good, but from relatively recently. Yes, of course, yeah. Um, anyway, moving on then. The second yes. half. We have to review, because I told you what we were going to, uh, the, f- the ends of the group stages of the two continental competitions, mm-hmm. and in particular, where those are relevant to Argentine clubs. So, the Libertadores group stage, the results involving Argentine clubs this week were that River beat the strongest 2-0, um, in the Monumental, and at the same time, Fluminense were held to a 1-1 draw by Sporting Cristal. Um, that means that uh, Rivera and Fluminense actually finished on the same number of points. Mm-hmm. Fluminense uh, won the group by virtue of goal difference. Uh, they they finished with plus four, and River with zero. Um, so a thrashing of the strongest might have helped River <laughs> in the end to to win the group, but um, well, the strongest, while they did lose four of their matches and claim two wins in La Paz, which is more or less what we'd have predicted for them, um, they're not as bad as they were. Was it last year or the year before where they were just terrible and shipped something like 30 goals in the group stage or something? Uh, um, oh, I can't remember. Either way, maybe it was a different uh, Bolivian club, but I seem to remember the strongest had a couple of seasons where they were actually quite decent and looking yeah. like they were trying to, they won a couple of matches outside La Paz and then in the last couple of years, I seem to remember they've had one group stage that were just off the charts bad. Um, but they're better, they're, they're solider, and they only lost 2 0 
in the Monumental, so River have to settle, settle for second. Um, Argentinos lost 3-2 away to Independiente del Valle, um, thanks to, they thought that they rescued a 2-2 draw, Leonardo Heredia scored an equaliser in the 87th minute, but then Kevin Rodriguez scored the winner for Independiente um, in the 90th minute. At the same time as that, Corinthians were beating Liverpool of Uruguay 3-0 in Sao Paulo. Um, that one was all said and done. Though. The, the, the match between Argentinos and Independiente was basically a playoff for first place. Yes. Argentinos went into it in first, but finished second as a result. Independiente de Valle have 12 points, Argentinos 11 Corinthians 7 and go to the Sudamericana and Liverpool have 4 points um, it was a reasonable week which Dan will tell us about in a bit for Racing maybe Nublense 4-0 and there was also a 4-0 home win in the other match in that group that was between Flamengo and Alcas unfortunately for the, those of us who like to laugh at funny results Flamengo were the home team in that uh, the result of that is that Racing win Group A. 13 yes. points, Flamengo have 11, Nublense 5 and go to the Sudamericana, and Alcas 4 and are out. I've just noticed, by the way, that I didn't mention uh, that in Rivers Group, Sporting Cristal got the Sudamericana place um, mm. by virtue of that. Oh, in fact, even if they'd lost to Fluminense, they'd have still claimed third place because uh, the strongest were, would have still been a point behind, but they got eight points and the strongest on six. Um, Unless we forget... Alcas began that Libertadores with a victory over Flamengo. Of course they did, yeah. Um, so it was really was all downhill from there. Yeah, revenge for Flamengo. Yeah, they, they seemed like they were going to be a tasty little team, but um, just very uh, disorganised, very kind of all over the place. I think that came back to to haunt them. Yeah, um, and then in the in Group F, Colo Colo and Deportivo Pereira drew nil nil, and Boca beat Monagas. 4-0 in the Bombonera, as we mentioned earlier, that settled first place or just underlined first place that they already had um, sewn up anyway in Group F. Deportivo Pereira ended up second on eight points. Colo Colo had six and Monagas finished on five, so Colo Colo goes to the Sudamericana. The other groups, I won't go through all the results, but I'll just tell you who's qualified. Internacional won Group B. Nacional finished second. So there's... a uh, certain amount of nominal determinism there, I guess. International is bigger than national. Right? Longer, at least, yeah. Um, Independiente Medellin go to the Sudamericana. Those three teams finished on 12, 11 and 10 points, respectively. So that's a pretty tight group until you get to Metropolitanos, who finished on no points. Oh, dear. Uh, four goals scored. In the circumstances, I feel it's almost impressive that they only let in 11. That is... Yeah, considering that they didn't manage a single point, I think I feel like conceding an average of under two goals a game mm. um, is <laughs> quietly um, impressive within a certain context. <laughs> uh, in Group C, Palmeiras and Bolívar are the top two in that order, and Barcelona have pipped Cerro Porteño to the Sudamericana spot on goal difference, um, and in Group. G. Oh, we've got about Patronato. I apologise to Patronato. Uh, in Group G, which is the only other one without an Argentine side, Atletico Paranaense 
finish on 13 points. Atletico Mineiro finish on 10 points, so both Brazilians are through there. Libertad of Paraguay go to the Sudamericana, and Alianza Lima are out. And in Group H, Patronato de la Juventud Católica, whose results are completely missed when I was doing the rundown a second ago, they got a 1-0 win away to Atletico Nacional, <laughs> while Olimpia were hammering Melgar 4-0. That was enough to help Patronato into the Sudamericana. They have finished Group H on four points ahead of Melgar on... Sorry, Patronato have six points, Melgar have four. Um, Olimpia win the group with 14 points and Atletico Nacional um, with a goal difference of zero. Very similar to River. Uh, fewer goals scored and conceded, but same end result. And 10 points, they finished second. Um, Dan, you said that you wanted to talk about Racing in this half of the podcast, mm. so here's your opportunity. Yeah, and I wasn't expecting to, to be honest, for my, a lot of that game on Thursday because it was actually nil-nil at half-time. Mm. Weirdly enough, um, and Racing doing essentially what Racing have been doing the entire year, which is not a huge amount, while also looking quite vulnerable doing it. Um, and, but then they got the breakthrough in the only way they know how. Uh, Brilliant slash little bit jammy slash faintly ridiculous goal from Matias Rojas, who just crept in a low free kick uh, at the near post um, at the start of the first half to break the deficit. And then from there, New Valencia's resistance crumbled. Um, and it was a very, very easy win for Rassi. Um That was Rojas's. Last game for Rassi. Um He's off to Corinthians, I believe, um, oh, okay. this winter. Is he cup-tied for the Libertadores business stage? or It doesn't matter because Corinthians are in it. Of course, yeah. yeah. I've just gone through the results and I still ask that question. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I often don't listen <laughs> to you either. Um, and, yeah, I mean, unlike the league, it's very, very... Hard to, um, to argue with what Racing did in the Libertadores this year, you know, just from pure results. Only lost a very tight match in Rio against the reigning champions Palma- uh, Flamengo. Uh, finished above Flamengo in the group, as we were all predicting. Um, four, out of, four out of six games won. In all of the games except for the two Flamengo matches, looked fairly comfortable doing it. Um, there was quite a wobbly 10 minutes, 15 minutes or so against Alcas when we thought Alcas were actually good. Um, which could have kind of changed the course, I think, of the of the campaign a little bit. But no, it's definitely something to work on. Um, it seems very, uh, very cold, very cynical to go into it. But this also means a huge amount for Racing because it's just cash. It's... Uh, Hard, hard currency dollars on the table. I think it's something like five hundred thousand dollars for every win, uh, another million or two million or so for qualifying for the last sixteen. Five million at the start of the year for for getting there in the first place to the group stages. Um, and in a football economy like Argentina's at the moment, that makes a hell of a difference. Yeah. Um, everyone I think connected to Racing is hoping that some of that at least will 
filter down into the team because it is a team with glaring holes, really. Um, at centre-forward, in midfield, really probably another another centre-back or, or another top-class defender, or, you know, relatively top-class defender, um, are needed. Um, not even, you know, not even going to talk about winning the Libertadores because it's even... Um, after such a good such a good group group stage, that's really a pipe dream. Um, but uh, maybe you know, squeak into quarterfinals, see what you can do from there, and and have a really good go at um, at doing well in the uh, in the Copa Liga in the second half of the season, um, getting it together. Uh, I don't have timelines, but if they can get the likes of Emiliano Vecchio, Johan Carbonero, the and a few of the other guys who've been injured, Lolo Miranda, that would make a hell of a difference. But Racing's priority has got to be to get a centre forward who is either not invisible, like Maxi Romero has basically been yeah. for in his entire Racing career, weirdly enough. Like, and when he does show up, it's usually to um, to miss a really good chance. Or about a month from retiring, which sadly. It seems uh, Paulo Guerrero is. Mm. No matter how much, you know, he's busted a gut. Um, he's done his very, very best. But you can tell he's a 39-year-old with half a good knee. Yeah, um, I think that, um, that that bet that you and Andres had about who's going to score more goals mm. between Guerrero and Rondon is potentially going to be won by Andres almost by default. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Given how little... <laughs> Both of them have played, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you say, you know, Racing could get it up by playing Guerrero against one of the crap Liga teams and letting him get a hat-trick, but that doesn't seem to work either because no. they don't score against the crap Liga teams. Um, we'll see, maybe second half of the year if they get a couple of decent players in and he has a little bit more support up front, he could um, turn the tide. Um, but I think if it finishes level the same... I should win the bet because <laughs> look at the team Rondon has around him and look at the team Guerrero has around yes, him. Yes, exactly. I was going to say, I mean, to, to be clear, uh, Rondon hasn't exactly been firing One him in more either. goal than and indeed Guerrero. has barely played. It's yeah. just that, as, as you quite rightly say, he's playing at the top end of a slightly better team. Yes. Um, on which note, however, Rivers' match was also pretty tight at half-time. Um, it's true, he's had a couple of Pretty decent chances to uh, to level it as well. Like yes, the, they did. The classic river wobble in it the middle um, in the middle of the second half before they put the game away. Yeah, Rodrigo Aliendro with a really nice finish at the end of a nice mm. move um, gave them the lead after thirteen minutes, and that seemed like oh, you know, this is going to be a cricket score, uh, but it wasn't. And as you say, the strongest um, quite early in the second half, especially gave it a little bit of a go. Uh, might have got an equaliser, but by and large, most of the rest of it was just sort of trying to solid damage limitation uh, and River ended up having to wait until the 90th minute um, for a goal for their veteran centre forward but not the veteran centre forward we were just talking about a second ago Miguel Angel Borja um, made it 2-0 um, and that's what happened that's all she wrote um, yeah. and then the other night the other big game that we were talking about Boca Monagas I must admit Dan I didn't catch this one did you? I didn't either, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, um, first, I thought it was oh, kicking off at nine o'clock. I did catch some of the second half. Actually. Oh, did I you? I watched this. Oh. Um, 
Yes, uh, Marcelo Weigand scored quite shortly after Bruno Baldes got himself sent off mm. for arguing with the referee in the first half. Um, and in the second half, Valentin Barco, Luis Vasquez and Luis Vasquez again scored the goals uh, for Boca. Actually, now I'm questioning whether I watched any of this. I think I saw a few <laughs> minutes of it. But maybe I watched the end of the first half. That, um, yeah, that, that might ring a bell. Um, but with, you know, not very much riding on it. Um, that's about all. The other thing that jumps out at me, just running down the chronology of the match here, is that uh, Monagas had a player called Edan Yilber Navas. Oh, pressed. Edan Yilber even by Venezuelan standards that's <laughs> chef's kiss <laughs> um, I love it yeah wow. that's an interesting one uh, in, in case you want to play along at home here that first name is spelled E-D-A-N Y-I-L-B-E-R uh, and what? the second name is, is just Navas like Jesus Navas what were um, they going for? that's just brilliant I love it. Yeah, I mean, they must have been going for something. That's the most unusual one I've seen since F. Mam Hassan Gonzalez, who was named after the first letters of all of the months of yes. the year. Um, nice. <laughs> I mean, he seems to have come on, in fact. He didn't start the match. He, he was a substitute. He, he came on for Christian Rivas, who's got a much more boring name. Um, but anyway, there we go. Um, Patronato, apologies for forgetting you. If you're a Patronato fan... Um, and uh, and were offended, but I didn't see the match. But mm. a one nil win away to Atlético Nacional, he's pretty good going. Yeah, definitely. Uh, admittedly, you know, Atlético Nacional didn't have very much playing. Mm. Right, right. They, they they finished four points behind Olimpia. Um, so even if they won the match, they weren't going to finish any higher up the, the group table anyway. But that's you know. A, very dignified end to a very dignified group campaign all round for Patronato, I think. And it's big for him being in the Sword of Monica as well for exactly what yeah. I was just talking about. You know, obviously at a much lesser scale for the Sword of Monica, but uh, those two matches at least they'll they'll play are useful, especially, you know, being down in the Nacional B or Primera Nacional, whatever it's called these days. Yeah. Uh, their results overall. I'm going to go through these. Obviously, we're not doing this for all of the teams, but for Patronato, it's been such a historic. The fact that they're even in the competition. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like we should. They started off the campaign with a 2 1 defeat at home to Atletico Nacional, so they've just got some revenge for that. Uh, and then they lost away to Olympia 1 0 um, before a 4 1 win at home to Melgar, followed by a defeat at home to Olympia by two goals to nil, and then a 5-0 twatting out to the hands of Melgar. So it really wasn't going all that well. Maybe it wasn't all that dignified after all. Um, but yeah, a, a late... Um, when I say late win, I mean late in the group stage rather than a, a late goal. The goal came in the uh, 81st minute, in fact, so late-ish there as well, um, to claim that, that spot. And if they hadn't got it, then they would have finished below Melgar. They would have finished in, in uh, on goal difference behind them. Um, so, yeah. And we already know who their uh, sort of any kind of rival will be. Oh, that's been drawn already, has it? Only the first part, because in this new format, I think we discussed a few weeks ago, where oh, the, the third-placed... Libertadores teams go to play against the second-placed sort of teams. Uh-huh. Um, 
that's already drawn, and then the last 16 proper will be drawn afterwards. So who are Patronato playing? Patronato are playing Botafogo. Oh, wow. Okay. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Big name for them. Indeed. Um, and do we know when those matches are going to be played? A confirmar. Okay. Uh, the other then crucial question is the, the round of 16 draw for the Libertadores. Um, it's going to be taking place next week, you were telling me? Next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. So and we will know by the time we record again. It is, if I remember rightly, in the last few years, because obviously it used to just be they, they ranked all of the, the, the group winners and the group runners up by points and goal difference and whatnot and put first against 16th, second against 15th yes. and so on. But it's now, if I remember correctly, a completely... Sorry, none of the group winners... So they put them into two different pots depending on whether they won or finished second. Mm-hmm. But after that, it's a totally random draw. Completely random. Right. I'm really annoyed at this because Racing actually finished first of the 16. Really? And oh, well. if under the old system, we'd be gearing up for a game against Deportivo Pereira um, in a few months. Feels when they believe for Racing. Yes, that's not going to happen. Or it might still happen. Yeah. But realistically, what's going to happen is that we're going to get drawn against River. Yeah. <laughs> um, who seem to already be the second place team that nobody wants to play against of the first place especially team. Racing who got you get dicked on every time they come even closer yes so, anyone but River please um, if it does end up being River then we'll try and get an episode where both Dan and Seba are on before the match so they can complain about the conspiracy theories and whatnot. yes more, more Seba in fairness than Dan when it comes to conspiracy theories I'll just mope about how shit Racing are against River <laughs> so consistently yeah um, but yeah, so it, it could be any of of those teams. So to very quickly go back over what the two pots are going to look like, then from the Libertadores point of view, um, the group winners pot are, as we've just said, Racing, Internacional of Porto Alegre, Palmeiras, um, Fluminense, Independiente del Valle, Boca, Atlético Paranaense. And Olympia. And the group runners up pot are Flamengo, Nacional, Bolivar, River, Argentinos, who we've barely talked about just now, but did get through in second ahead of Corinthians, of course. Depo- I mean, it's incredible what they did to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely brilliant company. Yeah. Uh, Deportivo Pereira, Atletico Mineiro, and Atletico Nacional. There are some big names in there. Um, but given the I guess the ceiling that, that the teams can reach and, and the sort of how well they're all doing domestically as well. I think it, it, I think it is fair to say that River are going to be the, the second place team that that the first place pot are going to be looking at. You'd imagine so, yeah. You'd imagine so. Um, although none of the Brazilians are going to be easy, obviously, as ever. And Atlético Nacional wouldn't surprise me if they did some damage even after that defeat to Patronato, whereas I hinted they were slightly disinterested. Yes. Um, but yeah Sudamericana Sudamericana is going to well you've just told us what the next stage is so it's this yeah. knockout stage with but we could talk about who's there because I don't think we have down. Um, it's going to be shall I list all of the um, the fixtures we've got let's just do the qualifiers um, Argentine qualifiers and just the Argentine qualifiers oh yeah. that's much less fun but um <laughs> Okay, so apart from the... Oh, hang on. We're going to have to go back to the Libertadores bit first to 
just, just quickly. The Argentine qualifiers then from the Libertadores. Just, I just want to make sure that we've mopped them all up and that we're not forgetting somebody. Just about um, to because the other teams all got through to the last 16 of the Libertadores. Yeah. Very good year for uh, Argentina. Indeed, yeah. And in uh, the Sudamericano group stage, the Argentine qualifiers are... Right, well, I'm going to go through all the Argentine teams and tell you how they did. Huracan finished bottom of Group B with five points. Um... Estudiantes de la Plata finished level on points and actually conceded fewer goals than group winners Bragantino, but scored seven goals fewer. Um, I mean, that's a ridiculous type of defending. It was helped by the fact that Bragantino won their last game 7-1 yes. at home to Taquari, which, what are Handapod's lawyers, what's Handapod lawyers opinion on um, randomly uh, throwing out fixed allegations uh, and that I'm, I'm gonna, with I'm nothing to play for say what you want to say then and just like it's <laughs> your opinion let's say the evil Red Bull Com- Corporation clearly paid off Taquari to make sure Bragantino got seven goals and beat Estudiantes um, on goal difference yes of course because they, they ended up scoring exactly seven goals more than Estudiantes did while conceding two more. Um, the overall record, Bragantino scored 21 and conceded three. Estudiantes scored 14 and conceded one. Um, so Taquari ended up in third place with eight goals for and 21 against. And Oriente Petrolero scored twice and conceded 20 um, in six matches. What a ridiculous group. Yeah. Uh, in Group D, Tigre finished second, just behind, or, well, six points behind San Paolo. Just. Um, but well done, Tigre. Group E was won by Newells with 16 points, so almost perfect, but they just they dropped two points in... Uh, the last game, when they yes. were already miles for it. Of course it was, I wasn't paying attention. Uh, Audax Italiano finished second in that group. Uh, Santos are out. Oh, sorry, Ooh. Santos are out. Um, you love your Brazilian if you don't say it with a cod Brazilian accent then it's not clear which country they're from Uh, in group F Defensa y Justicia uh, won the group Mm. former Copa Sudamericana winners of course so that shouldn't be a surprising thing but of course the year they won it I think they dropped out from the Libertadores didn't they they very possibly yes Uh, they got 15 points America Mineiro finished just ahead of Millonarios only on goal difference and in fact, only by one goal. Mm. They, America Mineiro scored 12, conceded 8, which is a goal difference of plus 4. And Missionarios scored 10 and conceded 7 for a goal difference of plus 3. Yeah, Missionarios only needed a draw against Defensa Cordicia yeah. to get through and didn't, didn't get it. do it. Yeah. And, and Peñarol? Peñarol, how the mighty Jesus. four. Six defeats from six matches, 18 goals conceded, mm. and bottom of that group. Um, in Group G, Gimnasia finished bottom. But they did manage some points, so in many ways they're a greater club than Peñarol. Um, Goyash won it, Universitario second, Santa Fe third. And in Group H, San Lorenzo got through in second place. Um, Fortaleza won the group with 15 points. Mm. San Lorenzo um, finished on eight points and a goal difference of plus one. And that was enough to pick Palestino, who finished on eight points and a goal difference of zero. So well done, San Lorenzo. After beating Estudiantes Merida 4 1 
in the last game, which accounted for four of their seven goals in the six games. Is it strange that my Who brain... Did, sorry, it's Alorenza. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. That's Is it fine. strange that my brain passes that name as Estudiantes Mierda? Uh, yes. But judging by the sort of Americano campaign, Indeed. might not be too far off the mark either. Not a good one. Um, Apologies to any Estudiantes Mierda fans. So, the Argentine involving Sudamericana playoff round, whatever it's going to be called, against the third place Libertadores teams, um, are Estudiantes uh, play Barcelona de Ecuador first at home and then away by the look of it. So that means that the, the Sudamericana clubs get the advantage of having the second leg away at home, sorry. Uh, like the, the team's dropping down from yes. Libertadores have to yes 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 yeah. um, so Estudiantes versus Barcelona uh, Tigre will visit and then host Libertad San Lorenzo will visit and then host Independiente Medellín mm-hmm. good luck to all of them yes um, on paper and in terms of I guess the identities of the clubs and you know looking at how big they are and how much stuff they've won. I feel like Estudiantes versus Barcelona is probably the the most attractive of those ties. But Tigre and Libertad, I think should be pretty interesting. Might not be terrible. San Lorenzo, Independiente, Medellin, maybe a bit less so because San Lorenzo, don't offend San Lorenzo fans, but <laughs> as we mentioned a few times this year, not that good to not watch. Great. Um, not great. But yeah, they should all be good ties and at least the San Lorenzo one ought to be quite tight, if mm-hmm. nothing else. Uh, shall we do some listeners' questions? Yes. Uh, I pointed out that we had one midweek, yes, or might have been the weekend, but midweek in terms of doing a podcast. Yeah. It um, was on the 25th of June. Well, we had a couple tonight. I thought, having sent the request so late on a Friday night, yeah. we were going to be struggling, but apparently not. Uh, so Derek Ryan asked on the 25th of Oh, you June. found it? Good. Yes. Yeah, it was just I just scrolled down one screen on that notifications and it was right yeah. there. I have a Messi question. I understand that Miami is a great destination, but mm-hmm. why would Messi be willing to settle for a club with all the intellectual understanding of football on the same level as Aldo Sibi? Great resort town, terrible football. Now, the first thing that I will say is... <laughs> actually, I have a couple of things I've, to say. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, no offence to anybody listening from Miami, but personally, from what I understand of Miami, I'm not all that interested in visiting it. Secondly, I feel no. like, Derek, if you've been to Mar del Plata... No offence to anyone who lives in Mar del Plata. No offence to anybody who lives in Mar del Plata, uh, <laughs> but it's also not really all that nice. Um, it gets absolutely bloody freezing cold at night, even in the middle of the Argentine summer when it's roasting in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean... Okay, fine. But I am admittedly <laughs> a little bit biased because I'm not really interested in beach holidays. Mm. The other thing that I will say, however, is that Aldo Sibi, remember, are the club who gave Fernando Gago his managerial This is true. Break. And other managerial greats such as Martin Palermo yes. have also... I can't remember whether it was his first job, but he worked there as well. And um, when Fernando Gago is leading Argentina to their fourth consecutive uh, World Cup win in 2034... That will be where it will dig Yeah, sorry, I was wondering what the hell you were talking about there, and then yes. I realised. Um, so, I mean, okay, obviously they're not very good. Mm. Obviously, if you're going to list uh, Argentina's greatest and most successful clubs, 
And obviously that you're not going to be one of the first names out of your mouth. But intellectual understanding of football, you know, any club, that, any level can, can have a good yeah. tradition of that. Um, but, you know, more to the point, we did talk about Messi's decision mm. to, to go to Miami. Um, and I think that we can, obviously we talked about it on the last episode, but I, I think that we could all agree that with no disrespect to Inter Miami at all, mm. it's not really a footballing decision. And Messi all but said mm. that himself as well. Yeah, yeah. In probably, hopefully, quite polite terms that no Inter Miami fans were all that insulted by. But I think the euphoria of getting Messi would mean he can pretty much say anything. <laughs> he could probably say, like, nah, to be honest, I've only come to Miami to launder some, some of my cousin's drug money. Yeah. Not that Messi has any cousins who sell drugs. No, our understanding is that the drug dealers in Rosario prefer to shoot up his wife's supermarket. Absolutely, yes. Get involved so with he him. is above reproach. Um, yeah, in, in all seriousness, you can kind of narrow down this decision by the process of elimination, right? Didn't want to stay at PSG mm. for obvious reasons. Didn't like the city. Didn't like the fans. Club was is apparently going nowhere with him anyway. Yeah. Um, city would City else, would have yeah. been an interesting option, but no way he was going to move to Manchester. No, and also I mean, from what he said, one of the things that that I I think is probably not uh, political correctness or posturing on his part, but that he said after the move was that he wasn't going to go anywhere else in Europe other than Barcelona. Yeah. Barcelona, I think we mentioned why For exactly that move didn't come through. Yeah. So, where do you go from there? Could, can't really come back to Argentina because it's didn't, the absolute insanity. Yeah. Didn't fancy life in Saudi Arabia. Didn't fancy life in Saudi Arabia. And also, why would you when they're yeah. already paying him a billion quid anyway? Exactly. What's the point in going to live there yeah. as well? And as we said before, Messi loves Miami. Mm. He's Argentine upper middle class. He is a beach holiday person, unlike me. He loves the beach. Antonella loves the beach. His kids, you know, their kids, they love playing in the sand with buckets and balls and shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a quality remember. of life decision more than a football decision, but yeah. I don't I think, you know. can't remember whether we mentioned this while the, while the um, microphone was switched on two weeks ago or not, mm. uh, but one point that I definitely made at some point, I think in conversation with the guys afterwards, was that when they were kids and when they were at school mm. together, Messi's wife was training to be an English teacher, so she definitely speaks really good English. Yes. And I'd be quite surprised if, if, if the kids didn't speak at least... Like, if, if she wasn't mm. training them a little bit in that as well, given that it's just a general useful life skill to have, why would you not? And I'm sure they go to international schools where yeah. English... And as a result of that, yeah. I've, I've kind of suspect that Messi probably maybe understand some even though you're never going to hear him speak a word of it mm. uh, but basically especially in a city like Miami where everybody speaks Spanish as well yeah yeah absolutely the language isn't going to be a huge barrier for him even yes. if none of that stuff um, talking about Messi yes he did play in Argentina last weekend twice oh yeah I didn't see this but yeah this is a good thing to mention Dan so take it away I'm yes. assuming you were paying more attention than I was to it uh, yeah I mean not a huge amount because these games are always Fairly, um, Any at all. Inconsequential. Um, but it was nice. Uh, Messi rocked up to Rosario first on last Saturday for Maxi Rodriguez's um, testimonial slash farewell, as yep. they call it here, the despedida. Uh, and then the following day, he came down to the Bombonera for Juan Roman Riquelme's 
own uh, farewell. Played for Argentina in both matches? Played for Argentina played in both matches, Newell correct. Boca, yes. Or? Maxi, I believe, played for both teams. He did a half for Newells yeah. and a half for Boca. Riquelme obviously did. The whole thing for Boca. Um, two very entertaining games. Um, it was quite nice uh, to see guys like, I think it was Angel Di Maria and Ezequiel Lavesi, who played for... Argentina and are obviously very. Uh, yes. What kind of reception did they get? A good one. Newells. No, they got cheered and oh, applauded. Yeah. Um, and similar to Pablo Aymar, Javier Saviola, and someone else, Riverish, Ariel Ortega, who went oh. to La Bombonera and didn't get booed and have lighters run at their head. Oh, well, it was kind how's, of. How's Ortega looking? I didn't see much of Ortega, okay. I must say. Um, kind of a tepid reception, which I think is about as good uh, as it's going to get in the Bombonera for, yes. for River, guys. But is, is Argentine football maturing, or is this just the messy effect? Yeah, um, maybe. How we can bring together nations. Undoubtedly more of the latter, however. Um, did he do any goals or any assists? <laughs> he did many goals, yes. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, very neither, nice. neither of them were his testimonials, so I don't know, maybe he was giving it all to everybody else. But He just couldn't help himself. He was <laughs> almost like trying not to, but he still managed to put in like a 30-yard free kick and chip the chip the Boca keeper, chip the Newell's keeper a few times. Um, even, you know, pl- playing at about quarter pace. Uh, yeah, admittedly against people who were about 60, I think. Scaloni played as well, which was quite exciting. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. And what, what reception did he get? I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't watching every individual's reception. I would assume good. I'll have to watch all of these back myself if they're on. I think you should catch up. Um, but that did lead to one funny little um, event last weekend as well because there were there was an Inter Miami fan or a Messi fan. I don't know mm-hmm. who trekked up to Philadelphia for Inter's game against the Philadelphia Union. And he held up a to see Messi. he held up a sign saying, "I've travelled twelve hundred miles to see the football go." Found out he wasn't playing, crumpled up his sign, chucked it on the floor, and left. Oh wow! Yeah, I wonder if he did it just for the cameras. Social but. media clown. Social media clown, perhaps. Yes, indeed. Um, um, so, but if he was sincere, sorry, mate. Indeed. Read the news, maybe. Uh, as Dan says, I sent out a tweet. For, I sent out a tweet quite late, and also we're recording quite late. And it's a Friday night, so I'm surprised that we got these actually on the evening. But uh, a few, two people, in fact, have replied. They have sent a total of three tweets to us as of right now, um, asking questions. One is from Birdie, who says, "With Diablito," translators note this means Claudio Echeverri getting his chances, his debut for River. How long before his under-17 partners in Roberto and Ulises Jimenez get their shots as well, Dan? I have no idea who those people are. No, I'm afraid. Argentina under-17, as we mentioned um, a week or two ago, and also on a recent extra that went online, um, we don't pay a lot of attention to it because there's not much point. Because, mm. you know, in case you can't be bothered to listen back to the episode where uh, where we talked about it it's just so difficult to predict who's actually going to make it and who isn't at that age but um, yeah but it, 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 it's a good question I think Birdie and I but yeah. we're not really sure who they are because we I think Birdie knows better than us I know he's a diehard River fan so yeah. he clearly sees something 
in those players. Mm. Um, if they're regular players. So, I assume so. Maybe they're playing for other clubs and he's curious. Mm. Uh, but yes, anyway, sorry. But when We can't answer that and it would be um, fake of us to attempt to give a proper answer. And we are nothing if not real on this podcast. We always keep it real. Indeed. Uh, and Pablo has sent us a couple of tweets. The first is, with Argentina qualified for the upcoming Under-17 World Cup in November... Any exciting talent we should keep? Oh God, we should keep an eye out for. Besides Echeverry, I am hoping to catch their games live at the stadium. Um, yeah, see previous answer. <laughs> so I hear that Roberto and Ulises Jimenez are great. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe then. <laughs> uh, and Pahlavan also asks: Estudiantes managed to score three golazos against Bar- Barracas Central in the first half, but always struggled to score a penalty. They've only converted one out of five this season in all competitions. Why do they make life so hard for themselves by scoring a wonderful goal, but not a penalty? I don't know. Who is Estudiantes' anointed penalty taker this year? Um, well, Rolheiser was the one who missed the one against San Lorenzo that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, but he doesn't sound like he'd be a regular, so I'm guessing they've... Um, yeah. yeah, I mean... I mean, maybe he got that gig for that particular kick because they missed so many of the others. And so yeah, rotating. it sounds like that kind it's, of... Uh, it's not the kind of thing that's very easy to look up on sofa scorers who's yeah. taken all their penalties, that's the... Well, how's the miss when you're against San Lorenzo? What we really want is for sofa score to give us an icon when there's a missed penalty in a match. <laughs> it only does that for players, not for yeah. clubs. So that's quite annoying. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the more pertinent question, rather than the designated taker, might be who is the Estudiantes penalty coach, and yeah, not why a bad, are they not doing not their a bad job? Shot, not a bad shot. Um, all in all, though, you know, it's a fairly minor gripe against Estudiantes, who've actually been pretty good this year. Yeah, but thank you for okay. pointing it out because um, th- thanks for pointing it out because it was a statistic that I hadn't noticed. Mm. I mean, I'm assuming. Probably that recounting that match earlier is not the first time this year that I have mentioned that Estudiantes have missed mm. a penalty or failed to score from a penalty, but I hadn't actually tweaked that it was happening all the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, and yes, Tommy, perfect Tommy has uh, just responded to Derek's question about Miami by pointing out that it's all about the Benjamins, not Rollheiser, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yes thank you very much everybody for your questions we're sorry that we couldn't give slightly better answers than we just did to some of them uh, but that's it shall we do Mystic Sam Let's yeah do I think so do you want to do it for the for the weekend and midweek really push the button <sighs> well you've twisted my arm down so I think we'll have to don't go away I won't Welcome back. Okay, some of these matches might be taking place after we record the next episode. We will see. We'll, we'll, we'll see when we can be bothered to record next week. But for now, Platense versus Lanús. It's already finished, and it finished in a 1-0 win to for Lanús. Um, Atletico Tucumán versus Union and Neles versus Arsenal are both about quarter of an hour in as I speak, and are both currently 0-0. I'm going for 
uh, an Union win and a Veles win in those two matches. Mm. I think that River will beat Barracas Central <laughs> tomorrow at 3pm, sticking my neck out. <laughs> San Lorenzo versus Rosario Central will end in a draw. Estudiantes will beat Central Cordoba. I think Tacheres will get a win against Godoy Cruz, so River will have to wait a little bit more than a week for their title to be confirmed. Independiente versus Huracan, I think is an Huracan win. I think that Racing will get an away win down over Colón. Remember the last time I saw a Racing away win? I'm feeling generous. Instituto versus Belgrano. Clásico Cordobés, mm. one of three. Yeah, the minor Clásico, I guess. Like Belgrano Tachere seems to be the biggest yeah. Clásico. Well, in recent years, anyway. Yeah. But spend a bit more time in the top flight. Um, I think that's going to be an Instituto win mm. in front of their own fans. Defensa y Justicia versus Tigre, I think, will be a defensa. No, actually, I think it, I think that'll be a draw. Uh, Banfield versus Argentinos will be an Argentinos win. Boca will beat Sarmiento in the Bombonera, and Newells will draw with Gimnasia in the Colosso del Parque. Um, and then I'm also going to predict round 23. This is why I've said some of these matches will take Hold place probably hats. after we record next week. I think that Lanús versus Vélez will be a draw. I think Vélez uh, have changed managers, by the way. Again? Have they not just recently announced their new manager? Since we last recorded two weeks ago. Oh, yes, they poached El Gachega Mendes, Sebastián Mendes from Unión, yeah, hours yes. after he beat uh, Independiente in that aforementioned 3 0 win. Yeah, just a few days ago. Yes. Um, Unión were not happy about it. No. Uh, just remembered that while I was talking and thought it's a shame that Tony couldn't be here to give us his opinion. <laughs> um, Godoy Cruz versus Platense, I think, will be a Godoy Cruz win. Union versus Boca, I think, will be a. I mean, I think it'll be a Boca win, but it just it doesn't feel right that that feels like sticking my neck out. <laughs> you know, like from a. It feels like Boca should just be. Yeah, that's going to be a Boca win. But. Four mice, yeah, I'm not sure. Rosario Central. I thought they'd do much better than yeah. Racing. Uh, Rosario Central versus Estudiantes, I think, will be a draw. Arsenal versus Defensa Justicia, I think, will also be a draw. Tigre will beat Banfield in Victoria. Racing will draw with San Lorenzo in Avellaneda. River will beat Colón in Belgrano. Argentinos will beat Instituto in Misha General Mitre, not La Paternal. Sarmiento will lose to Tacheres in Junín. Huracán will beat Atlético Tucumán in Parque Patricios. I'm going to stop saying where everything's taking place now. Belgrano, um, I kind of started and I felt I couldn't. Belgrano and Barracas Central. Oh, how far down are they? Oh, they're not all that. Neither of them are that far down, actually. No, Belgrano. Uh, where are Belgrano? Belgrano have been doing good. And much further up the table than I had thought. Yeah, top um, six, top seven. I'm definitely going for Belgrano to win that one, having just cheated by looking at the league table. Gimnasia versus Independiente. Well, don't watch that match, but it will be a Gimnasia win maybe. And Central Cordoba. <laughs> versus Newell's old boys will be a Newell's 
win, hmm. maybe. Um, I... Well, you were saying earlier, actually, Dan, that some of the matches on Sunday, this weekend, in two days' time, look quite tasty. Yeah. Um, can't remember which ones you had your eye on in particular, but it's it, this Sunday is Independiente Huracan, Colón Racing Instituto Belgrano, Defensa Justicia Tigre, and Banfield versus Argentinos. Oh, and Boca Sarmiento. Yes. Um, yeah. That's yeah, nice. Cor- Corre hmm. Independiente Huracán, a little bit of a relegation dogfight there. Uh, Racing Colón has generally been an alright game in recent years. Yeah. Could be worse. Yeah. I'd agree. <laughs> um, lovely. Well, thank you very much indeed for listening. I hope you have a good weekend. And uh, if, and, you know, unless you're listening to this on the other side of the weekend, on your Monday morning commute, in which case, sorry for getting the week off to such a bad start for you. Uh, but for now, thank you very much for listening, and goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye. And me, thank you, and goodbye. <laughs>